Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Of a, uh, I got this snippet from the uh, Luke and Pete Shaw intro. You all right? <laughs> That's a coincidence. Yeah, I know, right? Because <laughs> we are because we are Luke and Pete. I'm hey. the Pete bit. You're the Luke bit. Episode twenty one. Let's call the whole thing off. Is it episode twenty one? It is. We can now legally drink in America. Yep. Shoot a gun, probably. That's probably a lot younger, to be honest, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ride a motorbike on a wall of death at a carnival. Yes, that's um, definitely that's actually a lesser known fact about Big in Twenty One. Throw a frog into an orphanage and watch the carnage ensue. And kill um, eat any, anything you find in your sewer. And kill any rodent with a bow and arrow. <laughs> kill a Welshman with a crossbow. Yeah, you are part Welsh. I am, so you can kill part of me. You're the one that... You can kill <laughs> Let me know which me. part it is, and I'll make sure I aim very specifically for that. For that artery. Yeah. That's, that's in that part of the body. How are you doing? You all right, Luke? Pretty good. We're in a new studio, and we've got new headphones, and it's like a vice-like grip on my head. Yeah. All my thoughts are coming out, and I hope they're coming out all nice and clear. It's fair to say that the um, the headphones need breaking in, <laughs> don't they? Because you know your skull is actually made up of lots of different parts. Isn't that when you're a baby, don't they fuse together? Yeah. But or you're, or you're, are you a phrenologist? Your skull is still made up of You think that like, um, other races are lesser than yours? Well, no, no, that's that's taken a turn. <laughs> but all I was going to say was, I fear for your tiny little bones and your tiny little head because you're a bit of a pea head, and those and those headphones are in danger of consuming you. No, I think because your head's bigger, it's going to be more Stretching pressure more. than yours, isn't it? So, more, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How have you been, Luke? You all right? Been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. yeah. We're in a new studio. It smells a bit funky. The problem is, I don't know why. Somebody's used some kind of forbidden glue. You know that fish glue you used to have when you were at school? Yeah. PVA, polyvinyl acetate. Thank you very much. So, um, they, they, they use that to glue the walls together, and so it smells a little bit like fish in here. In school, uh, in CDT, and that is another example, you are only allowed to talk about things or work with things that have a three letter acronym CDT, <laughs> yeah. PVA, MDF. <laughs> <laughs> it's never, never ended. Did your what was the name of your CDT, CDT teacher and what was his particular quirk? Because they always had one, Mr. Parker, right? And his quirk was always telling you <laughs> molestation. You, no, no, come on. no, not Mr. Parker. He was a good egg. He's good. Uh, egg. When you when you came in and you sat down, he would mm. always say without question and without fail every episode: a sharp pencil is essential. And he, oh. out, and he would dish out sharp pencils. Shouldn't you have your own pencil? Isn't that the whole deal? But Being he was responsible a, for yourself. He was the sort of guy who would turn the other cheek, though, and he'd say, you, you should have provided your own pencil. You haven't, but here's one anyway. And that's about working together on a site. Exactly. If you're like all working together, woodworking, and you, you don't have a pencil, ask your mate, have you got a pencil? Yeah, brilliant. Two points. One, you've never done a day's work in your life, so you wouldn't know that. I have. I worked in the print finishes for a bit, gluing together bugle boxes. What's for, a bugle box? Uh, boxes literally for display purposes for the um, unloved crisp, the bugle. Oh, I remember the bugle. Uh, I bet you bloody do. They're quite new, aren't they? No, God, no. No, about uh, probably about when I was 18, I was putting them together. Walkers do a bugle now, don't they? That's what I'm thinking of. They're probably the same company yeah, back okay. in the day. And the second point I was going to be... I remember abusing uh, glue guns. The second point I was going to... 
Well, I can imagine that. I mean, that's what you still do. Made my own rud- rudimentary scarification technique on my arm. Used you- to draw little things. My second point, Pete, if I may, was that you asked me on this show every time how you're doing. I don't like it because I see you so often yes. that you know how I'm doing. And so it makes me sound flippant when I say, yeah, I'm fine. Because you don't need to be asking me that. Well, I do because I know, how, I know how you're doing. I'm, I'm assuming that for every uh, subsequent day you know me, it's getting worse. But I just want an <laughs> update. I just want an update how bad it's got, basically. So you're acknowledging that you are not increasing my life quality by knowing me? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I need, and I need a rating out of 100 every time I see you. You've not asked me as a normal, kind person would. You're forgetting your airs and graces. You, you, you've got no airs and graces now. My P's you don't and care. Q. Your P's and Q's. You've got your P's and Q's. You're not asking me what my CD teacher was like. Oh, sorry, what mate. Was. What was your... Did you call it CDT? I can't remember. No. <laughs> CDT, yes. Okay. Mr. Preston. He had okay. a beard and a kit car. A kid car? Kit car. A kit car? No, we're not going back to that again. That's very CDT. A kit car. Uh, his own car he put together from parts, and it looked like a sports car, but a very unbranded... The sort of car you'd see in a 90s-slash-80s uh, Japanese video game. That's that had, very That good. had no kind of... It would be called like a Porsche Rari or something. And did you take um, CDT at GCSE level? No, because I got a very good... No, did I take it at GCSE? No, I didn't take it at GCSE level because in my final week, despite getting a 93% um, SAT on it or whatever the, the exam is in the third year, uh, and Mr. It was another, it was Mr. Armstrong at that point... Uh, I did put my hand in a belt sander, and can you see? Can you see how different uh, the nails are on each of my? Yes, um, I can. Your right hand uh, middle finger nail is very, very um, worn. Yes, wonky. It sort of extends down into the cuticle. I've got no cuticle on my on my right hand because I was feeding uh, a piece of wood into a belt into a not a belt sander, a circular sander, and Mr. Armstrong <laughs> screamed uh, as my hand went into the belt into the sander, and blood went everywhere. Uh, Get your hand out of that sander! Bit late for that. Bit late for that's all in there, mate. There's um, blood everywhere. Everything you... new I learn about you yeah. very perfectly fits the brand of what I consider you to be. I was fi- I was enjoying the way the wood was disappearing into the machine. <laughs> because if so, if you did, if you turn around instead of telling that obviously true story, mm. if you had said to me, "Oh, what happened was this girl was about to put a hand in the belt sander, and yeah. I I, can, I saved her, and she was fine because of me," I would have been like, "That is bollocks." Right? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, it yeah. was you. But I, I I can just tell that I, it would have been you who would have done that. I was enjoying turning wood into sawdust. For the playgrounds of the future. <laughs> and in many ways, that is me all over. That's your gift to the next generation. One step ahead. One step ahead. Daddy, why is this uh, sawdust all red? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in it. should we do it spin? It, it's been. Have you not got it? I've not got it on 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 this system, but I, I'll, I'll play it in. Don't don't you don't okay. you? Worry. I'll play it. In. I like your version anyway. I'll play it in now. It's been. Did there you enjoy go. that? How are you doing? <laughs> Good. I'm not too bad. Hey, do you want to check something out? So, um, Callum Campbell uh, emailed in about the It's Been jingle. Okay. Weirdly enough. And he came, <laughs> he came up with this horror show, basically. He said, Pete, look, have you heard this? Uh, some genius has spent time making this piece of art. Uh, please use it for this week's It's Been. And we are going to use it for this week's It's Been. Um, basically, it's the Bare Naked Ladies one week, but all of the instruments have been replaced by the man from Bare Naked Ladies gone, It's Been! Wow. This sounds pretty... Could this be any more Luke and Pete show? This it, sounds pretty special. It kind of works, though. <laughs> Find the thread and you'll, and you'll get there. Yeah, I can sort of get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not enjoying it. 
You know what I like? I like that we don't... That's going to sh- play in your head for the rest of your life. Well, it sounds like the inside of your head, for one. <laughs> Two, I don't mind... I really enjoy the fact that you, Pete, are a brave broadcaster. And what I mean by that is you are not scared of putting stuff on this show that will isolate 99, and alienate 99% of all the listeners. I hope people Whether it heard... be torture techniques, yeah. that stuff, uh, YouTube videos they can't watch, anything like I that. I hope uh, that people have skipped forward from the ads at the start of the show and that's where they found themselves. <laughs> yeah. And they thought, my phone is possessed and they're thrown into a canal slash Beck. If you have done that, you'll never know because your phone will be in a canal. What we should do is we should use that. I kind of hear it. Because it fits in with our, with our It's Been thing. We should mm. bring that in any time we get an email that we don't like. <laughs> so we start reading it so they think they're getting their email read out and then we bring that in. Somebody wrote a horrible email just saying, what is this? Like, yeah. And, I'm like, I, and it's really hard to um, well, kind of go against us it. to know. I know. Even if they were the last people who should know. We started this because we missed each other over the summer and we thought we needed to fill our days with something and that's how this happened. Um, and it snowballed. <laughs> and in, in, in the way that sort of without giving the too many spoilers away, Isn't in the that way a sexy that move snowballing, but possibly <laughs> we'll get emails about that. <laughs> uh, hello at Luke and Pete Show. We've been snowballing in the same way that Walter White starts trying to cook up a little bit of meth to make a bit of money, mm. and ends up we all know what Enjoying happens there. It, yeah. It's similar to this. It's very much you can um, fold in. Is that your it's been? That's my it's no. Well, uh, where, where, what has been my it's been? I ha went to Hamburg. Oh yes, because I was going to say if you're not if, you, if that's your attitude to the show this week, we're not going to fill forty five minutes. No, <laughs> um, you've been to Hamburg and and you spent an awful lot of time. Thanks. Turn it to something else. Yeah, at the end. that's the fray. How to save a life? It is. You well, are you just are, men boasting about first aid, isn't it? You are never. I know as, how to save a life. You are a man never fully in control of your playout system, and that's what <laughs> I think. That's what people endear themselves to. It's you the wrong volume. It's weird. It's strange. So I'm going to I'm going to fill the listeners in on my version of you in Hamburg. Okay. And then maybe you can put the record straight if you feel you need to. Yeah. So I only found out you were going to Hamburg last weekend uh, very late on Thursday. I left the room and you said, as I was leaving, you said, oh, I'm going to Hamburg this weekend. And I was like, oh, great. Have a good time. Mm. The next thing I heard from you was a WhatsApp screen grab right. of a Google Maps uh, picture of the Reaper barn. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise that the, I mean, bearing in mind, I texted my dad, I said, dad, I'm in Hamburg. And the only thing he wrote back was, has it still got the Reaper barn? Yeah. So as an ex-Navy man, I, di- I, I didn't realise what the Reaper barn was. I didn't realise its, its cultural significance, but no one's gonna whoa, that. that's a big red light district. Yeah. And we were right slap bang in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, 24 hour um, brothels. It's I mean, a, it's a coincidence. Incredible. You're on a, you're it was, on a... I just, I got us a lovely little Airbnb and it was a lovely little Airbnb. But what I would say is that I live in the, in the middle of town anyway, in London. Hmm. So I can hardly sort of go, oh, I can't believe I've got myself an Airbnb in the red light district. I'm in the red light district in Soho, really. So is there a pattern emerging? Uh, to the authorities, possibly, yeah. I only travel. <laughs> I'm off to Lisbon this weekend. That's very hilly. If I can g- get any breath out of me at the top of those hills, uh, I'll, I'll look be looking. to the WhatsApp from you saying it's happened again. It's happened again. <laughs> but I was just very surprised that how in 2017, in uh, more, I don't know, liberal times, you're supposed to call them, um, the, 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 a red light district of such heft can still stay in business. Yeah, why not? It's the oldest profession in the world, Peter. And maybe brothels are the way forward. I don't know, but it just seems... <laughs> Clip that. It just seems... <laughs> Clip that out. <laughs> it just seems... Have you seen my plough system? <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah. It keeps on malfunctioning. But Clip that out and we'll play it ear-splitting volume next week. 
<laughs> said to the phrase out of save a life. Yeah. Um, I'm just surprised. I was just surprised. Um, uh, it saddens me a little bit seeing such an extensive. Uh, Did it get you down after a while? <laughs> got me down physically. Yeah. Uh, mentally. Uh, well, especially because the uh, the Beatles plats, the uh, yeah. little the plaza they've got, the little celebration of the Beatles' life and loves, um, is right in front of um, a pretty rough looking uh, brothel. And it's like, yeah. well. I'm not saying they enjoyed it. I'm just saying that... <laughs> Is it what they would have wanted? I know. It's not much of a tribute, I've said, to, to our greatest export. I'm trying to think of Beatles puns now. Love, love me do. Love I me do. To, yeah. For eight years ago. So you've been to Hamburg. Any, any other takeaways from there for our listeners? Because I like to think of this as... I mean, because you talk a lot about your travels, because you do travel a lot. So in, in many ways, whether you like it or not, this is almost an ersatz sort of travel program the, sometimes. So I can you give so. anyone any takeaways for, who may be visiting there in the future? The indie clubs are really good. What? Stop going to indie clubs. You're 37. I, I'm 36. Okay. You're 37. Yeah. So you've upset me and the listeners that they're listening to <laughs> 30, mid-30s. But it's mid-30s. We're both in our 30s. in mid-30s, yeah? <laughs> Pete, is there... Uh, don't say this the wrong way. We're friends and you know I mean this with the nicest well, it's possible... A, it's attention. a 20, 20 euro f- 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 charge, so... Yeah, <laughs> Do you think there's anything a little bit, um, you know, regrettable, shall we say, right. about a 36-year-old man going to European cities and then visiting indie clubs? Do you know what's more regrettable? Uh, are you going to tell me? <laughs> well, I'm just saying that you don't go to any. I do Where sometimes. do you find your joy? I DJ with you at one. Yeah, and yeah, and that was not full. You disappeared. That was not full of people. It wasn't full of you, you disappeared. You played so, all my best songs and then so I went, well, forget you then, mate, I'm off. So, Paul Theroux, Paul Theroux slash Judith Chalmers slash Simon Reeve, <laughs> your takeaways from Hamburg are there's a Reaper barn there yes. and there's some indie clubs. Yeah. But they seem to play um, weird, you know, weird sort of indie songs you don't really remember that well or think fondly of, like Maximal Park's Books from Boxes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, one of their later songs. Do you, do you think there's any chance at all of this show being sponsored by Lonely Planet? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're brilliant. Okay. So, up yours, Dolores. I'm about to take this to a whole new level of um, potential boredom. Do okay. you remember, remember one of the creative, depending on your lookout, or outlook, sorry, one of the creative either high points or low points of this show a few episodes ago when I regaled everyone with my tales of fitting a car stereo. Yeah, I mean, you give it the big one about me having a terrible weekend going to indie clubs and dancing to the Libertines, but I mean, you do fit car stereos and go to geology exhibitions. Well, I'm actually going to talk about that a bit later. Oh, good. The geology thing. Um, Yeah, I think you'll like it. It's fascinating. (laughs) But I was going to say um, this time around, you know, and, and the reason I brought this to the table is partly because I think you might quite like this and have a bit of insight into it. So, you know when you get a, a, a remote control? So, I had to change the batteries of my remote control the other day okay. for my TV. Yeah. And uh, so, obviously, I bought a pack of batteries. Um, I untook the back off the remote. And I thought, Do you know what? That, that brand of battery in that remote control, I've never heard of before. Oh, so it's like a kind of... Like and I a... took out um, the other remote controls I've got on my house for, yeah. my, for my stereo system, for the Skybox, for whatever. Every single one of them had brands of batteries in there that I'd never heard of. Yeah, well, they just sort of knock off Chinese brands. So, well, listen... And to not me, a very full weekend uh, for Luke Mobile. No, it's not. But, I mean, what, why is that happening? Because the brands I've got are Horman. Horman. Right, okay. GP Ultra <laughs> and Skytronic, which is a great, it's an ambitious one. Skytronic. They all sound like e-cigarette brands. Yeah. But what I would, say, yeah, what I would say is, I think, well, they'll all come from the same factory as the big, the big ones, the big daddies. But you never see them anywhere else. That's my point. Oh, what they say? Well, they just, they'll just, they'll just be Chinese knockoff. Like they'll have some bloke will have a factory, and he'll just have a mate who thinks he can shift some batteries somewhere. Now let's change the printout on the. On I want to hear. I want to hear. Let's get Stephen on Photoshop. Let's add some effects to the word. 
ultra power. Yeah. DN. But why, but why don't you see them anywhere else? What do you, what do you, what do you mean? Well, so if, if I go to the shop, why can't I buy a pack of eight of because them? Because Duracell have clearly been in the business longer and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Why do you never see Pete Donaldson branded batteries? Because well, nobody talking. would trust me with electronics. I would definitely buy them. Is, this, is that their fate? So you know on the Duracell batteries where you put your fingers in the little bits to see how charged they are? Yeah. I'd like one of them to be your forehead and one to be your anus and then we could see how much power's in them. Uh, what, in between? Yeah. I, I kind of feel like that at the moment with these headphones, to be <laughs> it, sh- it should be. It should be. You put one thumb there, one thumb there and the size of your erection is how much power's in the battery. Well, I mean, you've you can have that for free. You can have that on the Reaper free. barn. I want to know, I want people to get in touch and tell me the, the hilarious brand names of their batteries. <laughs> I don't care. I make no apology for it. Okay. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, hello at lukeandpeatshow.com. If you can, if you can beat Horman, GP Ultra or Skytronic, <laughs> I, I want to hear from you. I kind of... Well, what's... We've got a remote here. We've got an LG telly. What's, oh! in what's in there? What's in there? It's a third-party battery, Luke. What is it? Guess what it's called. I can't. Do you know anyone called Rebecca? No. What's the shortening of a, the word Rebecca? Becky. Bex. Bexel. Bexel, see? Bexel. They don't exist anywhere else. There we go. B-E-X-E-L, Bexel. Now let's get that iPhone up. <laughs> remote, control, remote control batteries are a phenomenon. Right, so we've Enjoy actually it. got a Bexel. So there's our first on Bexel. I'm going to email it into... We'll get a load of emails on that, I guarantee you, because most of the emails we get are about the stuff you wouldn't expect. So there we go. <laughs> well, let's get into emails, yeah. and uh, we'll be doing it after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Email time, Lukey Boa. Email of the We're evening. a lovely time. We're in the, the new studio. This is the first time we've read emails out in this studio. Do you want to do one first? Uh, no, you, you, you crack on. You've, you you, you've got it? your faves. Okay, you've got your choices. I'll okay. give you a choice. Do you want um, an email about a sword? About, uh, about cheese? Or about cats. Can I have cheese, please? You can have um, cheese. It is getting to that point in the day. This is from... And there's never a bad time to have cheese. No. I start the day with half a... Uh, what would you call it? An eighth of cheese. Of uh, brie. Of brie. <laughs> half an eighth. Half an eighth of brie. You start the, the day with brie? Yeah. How is that heart attack coming on? Oh, it's not It's not good. I start, I ate um, brie. I had a slice of toast, which I never have. Um, and I also had um, uh, some fizzy bottles. Where are you going with this? That's I'm your breakfast. That's my, that was my breakfast. Red cheese and fizzy cola bottles. And three black coffees. <laughs> I stabbed a man. My goodness me. <laughs> well, listen, Annabelle from Denver. Is Hello, Annabelle from Denver. You will get, you've got a heart, far um, greater chance of having your email read out on this show if you are from somewhere interesting that's not the UK. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Is that fair. fair? I think that's very yeah. fair. Anyway, Denver, that's interesting enough. Um, this is from Annabelle. She says, Hello, Luke and Pete. As a cheesemonger... What? And someone studying for my certified cheese professional exam, think cheese sommelier, I thought I could put the halloumi issue to rest. So we were talking about how unhealthy halloumi well, is. Yeah. Do you and remember? I, and I said it, I didn't think it was that unhealthy because it, it seemed like a tighter cheese. I think it is bloody unhealthy, but let's listen to what Annabelle's got to say. Okay. Halloumi has a relatively average fat content, around 45% in dry matter, which, combined with the fact that it is unique as a fresh brined cheese that is not set with acid before rennet is added, the curds are also stretched and heated similar to many South American cheeses. Right. This is detail. Level of detail is incredible. All of these contribute to Halloumi's grilling capabilities. So that's why she said... That's why you can grill it and it doesn't doesn't melt. yeah. Yeah. As an aside, while it is usually slightly higher, brie is not significantly fattier on the whole than other cheese. The fatty slash luscious mouthfeel can be attributed to its high moisture content in combination to the fat and dry matter. And while brie's and other double slash triple creams have a higher fat and dry matter percentage, <laughs> there are a low amount of dry matter compared to harder cheeses like cheddar evens this out. That's A, incredibly detailed, and B, uh, I mean... I don't like it how much people talk about halloumi. Um, first things first, I think it's it's weird. I love halloumi. halloumi. That's what everyone says. Yeah. No one dislikes halloumi. Uh, B. Um, I thought um, that brie. But what is the moisture? Just water. What's the wateriest cheese? Well, then? Annabelle. Annabelle. Would it be cottage cheese? Annabelle. Is there a cheese gas? Is there a gas-based cheese? Get in touch. Could the sommelier Annabelle make us a gas-based cheese? Annabelle, you have talked your way into a job here as yeah. the official cheese correspondent. Next time cheese comes up, we're coming straight to you. Pete wants to know if you can make a gas-based cheese. Yeah, like um, those blocks on the road. You know, you see those little um, caps where um, people have been imbibing ether. Well, you can get you can get cheese that comes in a can, squeezy cheese. That's a suspension rather than a solute, if I remember my uh, well, my science. Now you go way above my pay grade. <laughs> Annabelle, there you go. A great email. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. We, know, we know more about cheese uh, than we did at the start of this, and you can't ask for any more than that. What's the lightest cheese per square inch? There we go. De- we're talking about density question. now. Density yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, I would like to sort of. I would like to have a, a little square of one and a little square of the other. Swiss cheese. It's full of holes, isn't it? <laughs> go on, you're up. Hey, I'm up. Um. So a lot of people uh, found um, the Ron's uh, the Ron from Parks and Recreation scene quite weepy. They did, didn't they? You were they? talking about. And yes. I, th- I think did I talk about Noi Albanoi? Noi the Albanoi. You did, yeah. You a did. very, a very weepy, um, a very weepy. Uh, I, I think uh, we, we we hit on something there because we got a lot of people in touch say asking us 
about that scene and asking mm. for a link to it. But we also got people saying, do you know what? I love that scene as well. It felt like I wasn't alone. And not only that, people were then following up with saying, these are the other things that made me mm. weepy. It well, happens a lot. Are you a weeper or not? I can't remember what you said. No, not really. No. Uh, only on the weeper barn. Um, Jack says, um, <laughs> I had been out partying all day on a Friday. I woke up on myself Saturday afternoon and the complete series of Junior MasterChef Australia was playing on my television. It's a good version of the show, uh, that, the Australian one. I opened my eyes. Uh, them little kids were so good at cooking and the parents were so proud of their little joys. It touched me in my hungover state. I cried at every episode. The one bit I can remember that really got me was when one of the kids couldn't get uh, a jar open. The dad ran in the kitchen, opened it for her and walked off like the king of the kitchen, as one would do after opening a jar. It was on for about four hours and I couldn't be asked to move to find the remote. It broke me. Two points. Well, what, three what, points actually. What batteries are in the remote? Yeah, change yeah, the batteries. Okay, yeah, change the batteries. So, second point is um, the dad should not be interfering. Disqualify the That's girl. That's not allowed, is it? Yeah. And, and three, um, you can tell that man is genuinely Australian by the way he referred to a child as a as joey. As a joey. Yeah. But lovely. I think I've seen a similar clip where the dad doesn't actually enter the cooking theatre, so to speak. He's in the gallery. Yeah. Uh, like he's watching an operation or something. I don't think we talk um, about TV enough on this show. And I, I would just venture that the Australian version of MasterChef is up there with the very best in terms of cooking programmes. Who hosts it? I don't know. Um, it's hosted by three or four different people and they have a guest. The last one I saw was actually co-hosted by Heston Blumenthal. Oh. And the way the gallery thing, the way that works, for those who haven't seen it, there's a theatre, as Pete rightly says, with, with, the, with the kitchen units where they're cooking. But the guys who have secured immunity from the round are allowed to stand up on the gallery and shout down, shouting encouragement at different contestants. <laughs> it, it makes for a, a big atmosphere, a big atmosphere. I once met Heston Blumenthal's son. Did you really? Um, at a birthday party. And uh, he's a young lad, and he's, I think he's forgotten his passport. He had to get somewhere to a ski resort to work, I think, and he'd forgotten his passport. A kindred, kindred spirit. spirit. <laughs> and uh, and um, Heston Blumenthal kept on coming over, and I think Heston Blumenthal was worried that I was coming on to his son. Right. And I wasn't Heston. You look the type. I wasn't, mate. You, look, you are quite a flirty type, aren't you? <laughs> I'm a flirty boy. What um, a little flirty boy I am. I listened to Heston Blumenthal's Desert Island Discs, mm. and I would not seek to denigrate any of the man's success. He's clearly a very talented chap and a very hard-working one. Mm. But my goodness me, was he a boring man at the start. <laughs> Do you know what he talked about as a child? He talked about, um, well, genuinely... When well, he regressed to a child and did it as a child. Yeah, Wow, that's he, impressive. Have you, have you seen the film um, Benji, he, about Benjamin Button? <laughs> he ate a, a poison souffle and became a child. Yeah, Heston Blumenthal's actually 150. Yeah. Uh, no, he said when he was a child, when all his other friends, well, I say child, when he was, I guess, an adolescent type, 13, 14 or whatever, when all his friends were out playing, he bought a copy of a French to English dictionary. Right. And, and by hand yeah. translated a, a particular French cooking book, I forget which one, into English, every right. single recipe, so then he could then do the recipes himself. I'd like to think that he didn't have access to any of the ingredients. Bearing my French cooking is quite daring, and English cooking just isn't. You know what Where I like would I get think? pheasant from? Do you know what I like to think, Peter? I like to think that it probably took him so long to translate that he might as well just learn French. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a life skill, isn't it? Yeah, that's I a guess life so, skill. yeah. That, that does sound particularly dull, to be fair. All right. Um, well, Amy says... Uh, you're oh, you're going again, are you? Well, well uh, they're all in one theme, so okay. I'd, I'd, I'd concatenate them. Okay. Um, hi, Luke and Pete. Your discussion of crime because of a television show reminded me of the time I was pregnant with my second daughter and I broke down in tears at the end of The Price is Right, an American game show. Oh, that's fascinating. Show. An elderly gentleman had placed a bid on his showcase, a collection of prizes, and his bid 
was so close to the actual price that he won both of the showcases. I was awash with tears as he was surrounded by large breasted blondes jumping up and down while Drew Carey beamed. That's where Drew Carey ended up. You forget when you turn yeah. on American telly. Price is Right is always on and Drew Carey have the Drew Carey show and I think he did a few shows back in the day. Jeopardy's always on as well. Yeah, well, he, he sort of ended up there in the in the um, ghetto of that. But the stage was mob with family members who no doubt were all uh, ready eyeing various items for themselves. Yeah. But I, in that moment, hormones raging, only saw the joy. It still brings a tear to my eye when I imagine Grandpa riding his jet ski in beautiful Miami with his <laughs> belly full of his year supply of rice a <laughs> What I, a gift. I once very, very, was very close to crying when um, Scottish guy, I think his name was Gary, won professional MasterChef about a year ago. Always food related. Yeah. Food and batteries. Best way, story. Quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> uh, you got any more crying at TV type stuff? Not as such, no. But I can. Uh, I've got other things I can entertain you with. But you get on with your other email you're going to be doing. I've got. Well, I've got um, one about a sword. I've actually got one about um, onsens. Onsen, onsen, Do you want onsen, the onsen, onsen one? All right, because I talked about that when I came up from Japan, and I came back from Japan, and I booked a uh, weekend in um, Germany and then a weekend in, in Lisbon because I thought I'd be sad. Yeah. And I was, yeah. turns out, and jet lagged. Some people say you're running away from your problems. Yep. Is that fair? Running away from you in many you, ways. Do you Just wanna... making your life difficult, making this record harder. Yeah, that, oh, I'm used much. to that. Yeah. Do you want to quickly remind people what an onsen is while I find this email? It's a hot bath. Um, um, I was hoping you'd be a bit more descriptive. That ensues, <laughs> uh, that ensues after you uh, pump through um, volcanic water, through uh, a sieve. I Found it. Found it. Um, this is from Mike King. Okay. Um and he says, hi, Luke and Pete. I was listening to Pete's onsen stories and thought I'd share my experience of the tattoo-friendly onsen mm. in, I think that's pronounced Fukui, uh, where I used to live. Now, you mentioned before that when you went to an onsen, there were certain ones you weren't allowed to go to because you've mm. got tattoos and they're associated with the Yakuza and that's like a, uh, is that a, a social faux pas? That's, yeah, it's just a long-standing aversion to anything tattoo-ish. Okay. Ish. Tattoos are very cheap out there. If you want to get a tattoo, go to Japan. And Mike says, I have Japanese. I have a Japanese back piece, uh, cherry blossoms and all that, and as such can no longer go to most onsens. There was only one I could go to near me, and about half the customers there were Yakuza. I usually got chatting as they were curious about my tattoos, and the conversation would invariably turn to what I did. After I explained that I was a katagi, which means not a gangster, I'd ask them what they did. And the answers would range from uh, this and that to night work. <laughs> <laughs> night work. <laughs> he said, my favorite moment came when I saw a fellow with a full body suit down to ankles and wrists who had a massive screaming demon on his chest. I pointed and said, that's pretty bloody scary. To which he replied, that's nothing before parting his hair to show two dragons on his head. Wow. Upon reflection, he was right. That was a lot scarier than his stomach. Imagine having like two dragons coming at you from the, you know, the reaches of an onsen water that, pool. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Mike says, I'm just finishing my PhD at Oxford in foster care in Japan, so please give me a shout-out. Well, I've given you a shout-out there, Mike. Thanks for that. That's nice, that. I mean, is there a lot of foster care in Japan? Bearing in mind they have very... <laughs> their population is dwindling. You're the Japan, you're the Japan correspondent, mate. You I don't know. Me. I've made my own babies out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've made my own babies. Do you want to, uh, one more email or do you want to move on? One more email. Crying out loud. Give me another email, you dick. Do you want uh, Galway or do you want swords? Uh, should we go with swords? Because we've had Japan. Let's have some more of that Okay. Business. This is from Tom. This okay. Is, Hello, Luke and Pete. 
I've just finished watching Pete's Dad with Swords rendition, which, by the way, we should play out on this show at some point because it's very good. Mm, it's, I, I listened back to it and it's a lot more long-winded than I remember. <laughs> your, but it is your creative high point. I mean, you've never done anything that's got you the credit that that has. No, really. uh, it really has ingratiated me with the sword community, and now I'm <laughs> I'm allowed to borrow upwards of three swords at any time from my local swordsmith. What about the dad community? Uh, <laughs> they're, they're very much uh, uh, indifferent. Uh, yeah, indifferent to what I get um, to. So, so Tom says, I'm not sure what to make of Pete's video, but perhaps his interest in both swords and Japan will be tickled by this email. So my grandfather arrived in the Pacific Islands just as Japan surrendered in September 1945. Fortunately for him, that meant that he, along with many thousands of young men, did not have to partake in Operation Downfall, the proposed Allied invasion of Japan. As a lieutenant in the British Army, a fellow Japanese officer was obliged to surrender personally to him. Unlike the Allied forces, uh, the Japanese carried swords into battle. Uh, as such, the Japanese officer surrendered this to my grandfather, along with a red sun flag covered in the well wishes of friends and family. The sword is a pretty awesome piece of history, and most interestingly, the handle of the sword is wrapped in manta ray skin. I just hope that the Japanese owner of the sword was as, as peace-loving as my grandfather and never used it to chop off anyone's head. <laughs> Tom says, I can confirm that it is still sharp, as I once regrettably got it out at a party after a few too many shandies and sliced a two-litre bottle of Coke clean in two. Oh, that could have gone so badly. So this man has got an actual sword. I think I spoke... Did I speak about this in the first sec, uh, first or second episode where there's words in Japan that Japanese that, that um, don't exist in English, and uh, one of them is testing your sword out on a travelling salesman. <laughs> And there's a word for that. At a crossroads or something like that. And it's like basically just testing how sharp your sword is by hacking at a random dude you find or come upon. Is there a Japanese word for uh, getting your sword out at a party after a few too many (laughs) beers and slicing a two-litre bottle of Coke into? I don't know. If there isn't, um, there should be. My uh, nan, uh, my nan's daughter, I think think it works out as my... Your nan's daughter, your aunt. My mother's half-sister. Okay, yeah. Um, she, um... I was about to say, your nan's daughter, your mum. She used to look after, <laughs> she used to look after uh, a, a woman who was, um, whose uh, husband used to work away quite a lot, and he used to work in Japan quite a lot, and she found out quite recently that I was reading a Japanese stuff, so my, uh, so she started giving me, like, plates and stuff, and, like, old kind of, like, Japanese antiques. Did you want them? And they're really cool and stuff, yeah. but I'm like, it's, I'm not, I don't have that kind of house. What I have got my eye <laughs> don't on. Even have a house. What I have got my eye on is, uh, however, a uh, is a sword that she's got, and there's a picture. There's a beautiful picture of my uh, my nan on her knees, with her uh, with her hands over her face, and uh, her daughter um, sort of looming above her with a, a Japanese sword. Harrowing in the seventies. And is it so? That's very it's much. A photo I, got. It's a photo. So maybe I'll try and find that and dig that out and put it on the Twitter. But I've still not received the sword. But she's promised it to me. So we need dads with swords on this show. We need that picture. Yep. Really, we need um, you need to get the sword and bring it in here as yeah. well. well. I actually tweeted from the Luke and Pete Show account uh, last week. The Makes dads and swords uh, thing. I, I'm not very really good at social media. Yeah. People don't people don't like but, me. But seriously, they that does respect was, me. That is the, definitely the best thing you've ever done. It's got about eighty thousand views on YouTube. All right. It's good though, that isn't it? Well, it's all right. No, I didn't monetize it because I can't. Don't uh, I can't afford the um, <laughs> can't afford the kickback to Duran Duran or whoever sung the song in the first place. So, so the song is a parody of Girls on Film, yeah. by Duran Duran, and it, it's a load of a uh, load of scenes of men, fat men with big swords cutting <laughs> things up. It's odd. We <laughs> talked about it before already. Shall we, shall we bash you some quick um, street heroes? We talked about uh, legendary oh, people yes. from good from idea. the streets. Um, so last week I said um, in every town there are a load of. Um, types of characters and people that people know about or they've heard about mm. or tell stories about and sometimes you even encounter them. Yeah, so um, some people kind of make it really famous like the Portsmouth Bellman is, is a quite a good example even though he's football related. 
Um, Johnny Westwood. Johnny Westwood. Yeah. He's uh, he's a man who's managed to kind of transcend uh, local uh, notoriety and, and we've and got a um, bit of a national icon. And I forgot to mention in Leon Silent, where I, my parents still live, um, we've got Walking Man. Walking Man. You only ever see him walking. He's, he How else everywhere. does he get anywhere? Well, uh, nowhere, obviously. That's very dull. That's is, very dull. But he is known as Walking Man. Well, we've got. A, we did have a Jogging Man, but I'm 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 yet to find where I've actually put that. But um, hello to uh, Tom Slater, um, the Wizard Man of Sutton. It's an elderly gentleman with a big white beard who went about his daily life dressed head to toe in a purple wizard's costume, holding a huge wizard's staff. He appends a picture. It's exactly as he describes. Is it Harry Potter? <laughs> is it is it Alan Moore sort of? Been I would go more or? Alan Moore inspired sort okay. of thing. Yeah, I'd definitely go with that. Uh, Andy Beersley, a Nottingham xylophone man. He was gigantic for a long time. I remember Nottingham's xylophone man. He would just play xylophone in the town centre. Uh, in front of uh, CNA. But Pete, how has he transcended the genre, if you don't mind me asking? Well, he's got a... Is uh, you know him because you used to live in Leicester? Uh, maybe, but I think I think maybe I've just heard him a few times before because he is probably... Well, he's been doing his thing for such a long time. Hmm. Um, I think people know him. And uh, when, he died, long game. He, he, when he died, he uh, he's now got like a little brick set into where he used to sit in front of CNA saying... Um, this is um, xylophone. This man. is where xylophone managed to do his thing. Was he actually good on he, the xylophone? Or? I, yeah, I think he was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't like a, a savant or anything. He was just he, he was a man with a xylophone more than a xylophonist. So okay. there we go. Is um, that how he'd like to be remembered? Yeah, I just think a so. man with a xylophone. And now he's passed away. Uh, Norwich's <laughs> puppet man, uh, Ian Murray and Simon Mitchell. Um, check out videos of him. He's uh, a man who basically does terrible puppet shows with a microphone and a boombox. Uh, at one point, a man who owned a premises in front that he used to do it in front of uh, came out and poured water into his ghetto blaster. That is poor. And then, well, yeah, but then you look at his show. He hasn't got much going for him when it comes to but that's um, a really mean spirit showmanship, thing to do, isn't it? It is. But he was saying. This this town's brilliant, and you know this this Norwich is Norwich doesn't need the puppet man, uh, but everyone sort of clubbed together and bought him a, a new ghetto blaster. So I love one the in idea, the eye for the local tradesman. I love the idea that, that a local tradesman who is essentially just annoyed with him says, "No, it's just that Norwich is so good, we don't need this." <laughs> don't try and come up with some sort of like convoluted way of justifying your behaviour. <laughs> um, have we ever mentioned um, the Jimi Hendrix impersonator who used to stand outside Tottenham Court Road tube station in London? He no. was amazing. He no, was I don't really good. Him at all. Did he start as like a tour guide sort of thing and just kind of slipped into full on performance? Well, he, he sort of looked a bit like Jimi Hendrix slash Lenny Kravitz anyway, mm. and he was just like a really good busker. And he made his name by doing a um, doing a, a, a one man cover version, I suppose, busker's version of right. a Wu Tang Clan. You know, I forget which one it is. Oh, he, I do remember that guy. Yeah, and he's got. He like, wasn't a Jimi Hendrix impersonator, was well, he? You say that the, the famous video was the Wu Tang Clan, but there, there was. Um, about three or four other videos where he's doing all Jimi Hendrix songs. Right, okay. So maybe he wasn't an impersonator per se, but he was certainly adept at doing that. Well, get this one. Tom Muldowney. Uh, this one's a beauty. Uh, discussions about little characters and oddballs. I want to put forward the name of Plastic Terry from <laughs> York. Um, I became aware of him when I noticed that he seemed to be in every nightclub I was in. This it kind of rings kind of a little bit too close. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, regardless you, yeah. of which night of the week it was, despite the fact that uh, it was usually student night and he was neither a student nor close to the same age as anyone else Plastic there. Plastic Terry's probably younger than you. Pete. He wears a white Saturday Night Fever style suit with a heavy amount of cosmetic surgery on his face. It's hard to tell how old he is and how long he has been seemingly omnipresent in every nightclub in York at the same time. But people much older than me remember him being around years ago as well and have it on good authority that he still pops up now. Um, throw it in the fact that Plaggy Terry is once the Conservative candidate for local election 
uh, has, has had numerous scripts for the council over illegally advertising his hairdressing salon on council property. <laughs> this guy sounds amazing. And once claimed to have rescued a child from being hit by a drunk driver, unverified, he says, yeah. despite a Google search. Uh, the sad part is that Terry's in on the joke now, and he's began to refer himself as a local legend. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't that. like that. Never good. It's like we talked about this before. It's like when David Hasselhoff got in on it. Yeah. It's never not. Good. It's never going to be the same again. <laughs> you can you can never recover from that. Never Any good. sort of trope or meme or whatever. <laughs> when the person gets involved in the joke, that's it. It's over. Sam Cowan. Uh, this was horrible, but yeah, it's it gets better at the end. Uh, hi guys, I'm going to talk to you regarding your uh, talk of legends, the notable strange people from your town. Personally, I believe Northampton has some of the strangest, perhaps the best of which is the infamous 50p Lil. 50p Lil was an older woman who, as her name suggests, rather than get a job, would offer to do anything for 50p. No, I don't like this already. Her most famous act uh, for the Princey Sum was to walk into a crowded HSBC bank at peak time and take a poo on the floor before yeah. walking out like nothing happened. But the strangest thing is, she wasn't homeless. Right. Every evening, her husband would come pick her up in his massive car and drive her home. Wow. Amazing. She disappeared, uh, and the rumours that she was uh, sadly passed away. Um, you know, here's to Lil, says Sam Cameron. Yeah, I don't like... I, this sounds a bit like mental health. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear about that. Sam, you let yourself Nice down. car, though. Yeah, that's fine. Nice then. car. There was, was there not a guy in... Um, I think there's a, ta- a guy in the town next to mine called Fred the Tramp, who used to drive around... Well, that's derogatory already. No, no, no let me tell you... To the homeless community. Let me tell you the story. They used right. to, I didn't call him that. People used to call him that. Oh, that's all right then, isn't it? I've got, I've got a few choice names for uh, people of different ethnicities that people use in the North East. And I've I didn't you, use them. I've talked to you about that before. Yeah. Um, Fred... Dawson. I'll just call him Fred then. All right. I was calling him Fred TT. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he apparently used to ride around on the bicycle the whole time uh, with a big bushy beard and looked essentially like a homeless guy. But uh, the rumour was that he was actually a millionaire. Yeah. He wanted to you throw people off the scent. Yeah, well, that was the thing with the... I'll uh, see through it. I think this sort of came from... This whole kind of feature came from uh, me talking about Lawrence from Hartlepool. That was the, that was the other thing. That yeah. People thought that um, the room was that he was Robert Maxwell's son. Oh, really? But it was just because he had very similar eyebrows to Robert <laughs> Maxwell. And Robert Maxwell was, you know, in the newspapers. It was literally in the yeah. newspaper business. And then, and then he was in the drink. And then he was in the drink. Uh, Th- can I do one more? Because I really like this one. Stuart McCowan. McKeown, how do you spell McCowan? How do you pronounce McCowan? M-C-K-E-O-W-N. McCowan. McKeown? McKeown. McKeown? Yeah. Yeah, go for that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, in request to your, uh, in regards to your request to local legends, I bring you Northern Ireland's own Roy Hundred in Tandragee. Okay. It's a good name, by the it's way. It's a good name, isn't it? Roy yeah. is an old fella who knocks around the town with a red old face and a pleasant demeanour. I used to work in the local shop and he'd come in every day, if not twice, and I'd always say, say the same stock phrases. Well, young fella which is honestly a shock, which will be uh, explained further in this story. Regardless of what else he asked you, be it the price of polos, be it whether you <laughs> believed in ghosts, or whether you needed a pee, regardless, he'd always wait for your reply and just say, ah, 100, which of course is short for 100%. Okay. I thought for a long time this was just something only I knew of him until <laughs> so two of my Roy brothers... He's called Roy 100. <laughs> <laughs> because both of my brothers started working elsewhere in the town and each night we'd, we'd regale each other with tales of Roy Hundred, who'd have the same conversation with every shop employee in the whole time in the whole town. Oh, Hundred. Uh, one of such stories is the treasured one in my heart. The local barmaid for his birthday got him a beanie with Roy 100% emblazoned on the front and so to repay her, he went to a council garden and nicked all the daffodils to give to her as a gift. The police were called and he was made to replant the whole garden himself. A funny story, you might think, until the logistics of it are fully understood. You won't realise how funny this is. He had picked over 200 daffodils for this lady and when he got to the bar, she wasn't in, so he left them all on the pool table for her. Legend goes, the bar manager said, you can't leave those there. There, and he just said, 100. 
So uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Roy Hunter's my favourite. Yeah, Roy what Hundred. A character. I think he's a, he's definitely an outlier in all of our stories. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I like Roy him. Hundred. And we know what the show's going to be called this week. I think so. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's move on, shall we? We'll be back after this. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. It's one small step for man. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. There we go. A beautiful uh, bit of Mencarta. A slice of Mencarta audio there. Yeah. That I'm going to put in later. I've only got a very quick um, Mencarta suggestion because it's something I discovered uh, this week. I mean, to be honest, it is cracking on a little bit. So yeah, I'll be well, very quick. It's well, it's well worth uh, putting a little bit of Mencarta into people's lives, though. I will be very quick. Um, I was visiting the open day of the Royal Geological Society. Have I told you this before? Uh, I think you threatened to tell us about it. Right, yeah. Okay. And um, when I was there, um, we got a load of literature from there and a lot of magazines and stuff yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I was reading through one of them. And I found this story about uh, entitled Baseball's Magic Mud. Have you heard about this? No. So, is ba- this the mud they use on the baseball field? Well, I'm going to tell you. So, so ba- uh, no, I, I, I want to keep current speculating. <laughs> okay, you can. Um, uh, mud once played a baseball field before the match. Yeah, that's it. And one of them hurt his ankle yeah. on the bad on the bad mud. So mud got mudded by some mud. And that's Mencarta, everyone. And that's Mencarta. Yeah. Go on. Basically, um, I'm going to take an ed- educated sort of gamble that um, most of the people that listen to this show aren't baseball experts. But if you are listening to this part of the show and you know about baseball, apologies if this is going to bore you because you probably know this already. But it's a brilliant story. Don't teach granny to suck up mud. Exactly. Uh, baseballs are made in a certain way, okay? But, base- but, but the rules dictate that the sheen on a baseball when it's made must be removed uh, from it. Um, right. For reasons that are unclear to me, but I presume it's because um, the light might shine off it. And it'll dazzle a, 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 a hitter, right? Well, I mean, people are catching it, so I mean, it's got to be—it's got to have some kind of purchase, I guess, isn't it? They—they um, they have to use a, t- a certain mud to get to get the sheen off it, and they right, do it okay. for every single baseball. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, here's yeah. where it gets interesting: they every single baseball team and every single um, uh, member of staff who's responsible for this or player, or whatever, hmm. always uses the same type of mud, and it's called Lena Blackburn rubbing mud. Okay. And it only comes from a very small area in a secret location on the Delaware River in New Jersey. Hang on. So uh, it's the responsibility of the baseball um, fraternity to get rid of the yeah. shine on the mud. Yeah, each, on the, each on the team. Ball. So you know what you get a cricket ball and they, sh- and they shine yeah, yeah, it. It's yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, a guy called it's Lena... The, it's the complete reverse, if you were using your analogy. It is, it is the reverse, but it's the yeah. same principle. Right. A guy called Lena Blackburn found a certain type of mud in 1938, and it was found to have exactly the right properties um, to, to take the sheen off the ball without it costing it its white colour, its distinctive white colour. Right, OK. Um, and, that, and, that, and that piece of mud, that sort of particular brand of mud has been used by every single player ever since 1938. And the guy, a descendant of uh, Lena Blackburn, a guy called Jim Bintliff, um, collects who, who it. Who happened to own all the mud. Well, listen to this. He collects it secretly every single year right. in wheelbarrows and pots and everything. He runs a company, but the company apparently only makes $20,000 a year. And baseball's a massive multi yeah, 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 yeah. you know. He only makes $20,000 a year. And when people rumble him and ask him what he's doing... He just makes up some story that he's getting mud to sort of for his flower beds and stuff like that. Um, and he, he said, and this is a quote from him, from 1938 onwards, every single home run and strikeout, his particular brand of mud has been on every single baseball without exception. That is so weird. It's weird, isn't it? How does he keep it a secret, though? Surely people will be trailing this guy 24-7. 
Well, apparently, Vice geology... are probably doing a documentary as we speak about it. Well, the, the where the where the geology thing comes into it, and why the magazine article was in a particular thing in the Royal Geological Society, is because geologists have repeatedly asked if they can take a sample Have of the a bit, mud yeah. and, and see what makes it so good. It's got a fine grit to it, which makes it mm. perfect. But he's always refused. What is the um, what is the technique of, uh, can you get it done in bulk? Like put a big, you know, a load of baseballs in together? Because like, I think I mentioned before, like how they um, make Skittle shiny is just putting them in a skip together and shaking them. Shaking them, yeah. And, and the friction uh, makes them shiny. Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know, but there'll be baseball experts out there who will know and they should get in touch and tell us about, a bit more about the process. Mm. Um, I just found that interesting. Because to me, you would think for this particular size of industry you would have a whole um sort of fairly well organized thought through process well you think done. you'd think the mud would have been um traditional and they would have kind of analyzed what chemical you know makeup and and and, and the, the composition chemically and just kind of make but it apparently in a lab. not so you know the analogy the analogy i would draw would be you know where you can buy that wax now to put on your surfboard and you can buy that at any <laughs> where surf- have you been this year no, I mean, anyway, right. I've never really surfed properly, but you know you can buy it. Right. But my point is that originally that would have been some sort of naturally occurring material. They mm. thought, oh, that works really well with a surfboard. Mm. And now they've manufactured an artificial version of it to sell. You'd expect that to be exactly the same with yeah. baseball, right? But, but it isn't. But it isn't. It's just no? this one guy selling a, a very small amount. 20,000 seems like a, he must live really close. That is a derisory amount of money. <laughs> for that and, also, and also, uh, yeah, how much is he selling? Where's it going? How's it getting places? So That's packaging. Freight. The way the story, is that profit? Twenty thousand profit. The way the story. Made Maybe he's just really bad. Maybe he's selling like millions of it, but he's just really bad. Yeah, terrible businessman. The way it's sort of made out to be is that essentially that he just grabs it in wheelbarrows mm. and then it just gets taken away to the, all the different um, teams. I mean, if you bear in mind that you know there are teams obviously all over the US, mm. that particular mud is coming from a particular part of a river in New Jersey, which is obviously up in the northeast of the US. If it goes to places like Arizona and all the rest of it, it's miles away, absolutely miles yeah. away. But they can't find a, 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 a type of mud anywhere near as good as that particular type of mud, and that's why they use it. I don't think they're looking. I don't think they're looking. If I'm you can find, find some... I'm going to get a baseball. I'm going to find find some mud. What I think you should do is collect five or six different types of mud from um, where you live mm. uh, and uh, send it out there. See what results, <laughs> see see what what results you get back. See what happens. <laughs> I've got some mud. Peter, this isn't mud and you fucking know it. There you go. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm putting mud in Mancarta. Let's go. Mancarta. <laughs> Hello at LookingPeteShow.com if you've got any more information about the man with his wheelbarrow stealing the mud. He doesn't own the mud. I don't know why the, I don't yeah. know why Delaware is allowing him to just steal mud and make uh, Princey some $20,000 out of it. Maybe that's why he's doing it. Maybe he's thinking, if I make too much money, they're going to take it from me. The IRS. I mean, we all, um, is this like pre-tax, post-tax? Imagine if someone at the baseball, uh, the baseball uh, club or team went to him, is that your mud to sell? Is it my mud to sell? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, do you want it or not? <laughs> why have you got a shovel? But, but I, think, I think, by the way, just quickly before we finish, he's keeping it a secret so no one else can get it, right? Yeah. So that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, but also, like, it just seems like a waste of time. And Do you reckon any could... other podcast in the world has dedicated this much time to mud? Well, probably a baseball podcast. Yeah, the history of baseball.com. Yeah, yeah what, what a t- website what that a, is. What a website that will be. Uh, right, let's go over it. Hello at uh, uh, Have you got anything else to say for yourself? Yeah, I mean, the show's out every Monday, and you can obviously, they're, they're timeless episodes, so you yeah. can go back and listen to all the old ones, um, and uh, check us out on social media, it's Luke and Pete Show, at Luke and Pete Show on Twitter and Instagram. And Next week, I'll be telling you what happened in Lisbon. Oh, yeah, you will. Where you're... all narcotics are legal. You're dedicating yourself <laughs> to this wholeheartedly, aren't you? <laughs> Let's get out of here. 
This isn't in the right music loop, to be honest. This is a, a snippet that we had pre-delivery of the full theme. But I'm having it anyway. This does serve the same purpose. It serves the same purpose. <laughs> See you later. Bye.